Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and I hope your Saturday morning is off to a great start. This morning, Sarah Timms from loveanimals.org has some great news about a special crowdfunding site that is helping countless organizations do great humane work, all because people everywhere are pitching in a little bit or a lot to help animals. It's a great success story. Then after our halftime break, our Pet Place book reviewer, Marianne Dell, is bringing in a brand new batch of books that she said you will all love. And I know she always picks out some great titles that animal lovers everywhere enjoy. So stay right where you are while we take a quick break here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM, and we'll be back momentarily. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now from loveanimals.org is Sarah Timms. Good morning, Sarah. It's wonderful to have you back on the show. Good morning, Marie. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. It's been a while since we've spoken, so I'm wondering if you could remind our listeners what loveanimals.org is all about. Absolutely. Well, Love Animals is a non-profit crowdfunding platform exclusively for animal welfare and wildlife conservation projects. Okay. So give me some examples of some of the projects that you've helped out over the past year. Well, gosh, we've had so many. It's, It's always hard to pick, but we've had some really great ones all the way from helping a humane society in Colorado fundraise for a cat, a little kitten, Roger, who was thrown from a moving vehicle and oh. broke his leg, which was obviously a horrible, horribly sad story. They posted a crowdfunding campaign on loveanimals.org and raised thousands of dollars within the first few hours, Wow! Um, which was wonderful to see. And then we've done big campaigns. Uh, we partnered with Alison Eastwood, who is Clint Eastwood's daughter, to raise close to $60,000 for Chimp Haven, which was taking in chimpanzees being released by the federal government after being used for research. So that's going to give them a good retirement. Oh, nice, nice. I didn't think that the federal government was still testing chimpanzees or researching with chimpanzees. That's still going on. That's very sad to know. Well, I think the, the... the law was that the chimpanzees would all be released. Okay. And so there's still many that are in laboratories waiting to be released to Chimpanzee, but Chimpanzee needs to fundraise and raise the money to expand their facility to oh. take in all of these new chimpanzees. Okay. And so we wanted to do what we could to help them to make that happen. If a listener went to loveanimals.org online, can they find a list of all of the projects? For example, if they wanted to know more about the chimpanzee rescue operation that's going on, is that easy to find and navigate through on loveanimals.org? 
It is indeed, yes. We um, put loads of information up about a campaign and um, we give a direct link to the nonprofit that's running the campaign. So animal lovers, if they want to really drill down and learn a bit more about the work of the nonprofit that's posting the campaign, then we make it very easy for them to connect. In fact, they can email the nonprofit directly from the website. Okay. And if somebody thinks, gosh, you know, I, I really... I can only donate a few dollars. It's not going to really impact anything. What would you say to a listener like that? Oh, I would say that's the beauty of crowdfunding. Um, the minimum donation is $2 on loveanimals.org. And what we do is we really empower those people that, that can't give lots of money, but we show them that when their $2 is combined with everybody else's $2, mm-hmm. it has massive impact so they get to see the, the thermometer go up a little bit with every donation and in fact we've worked with groups that have raised $20,000 in large part thanks to those $2 donations. They just crowdfunding really works by getting a lot of people to give a little bit of money to make something happen. That's really amazing and that really is the great thing about crowdfunding is every little bit adds up and has a tremendous impact on animal rescue, humane activities, everything else that you're working toward. Who was the who was the big inspirational person who came up with this idea? Gosh, well actually, Joseph Paulister back in the 18 uh, around 1880, he crowdfunded the Statue of Liberty. Today. Oh wow. <laughs> Um, I know. So it's not a new concept, but the idea of taking it all online and putting um, putting lots of different campaigns alongside each other, it was really, I'd say, donorschoose.org, and they are, they're exactly the same as Love Animals, only they're focused on education and, and school supplies for teachers. Okay. Um, and they launched about 11 years ago, I believe now. Okay. So it's not a new idea. It's been around mm-hmm. since the Statue of Liberty or even longer than that. That's very cool to know. Now I can go on Jeopardy, and I hope that that will be the final Jeopardy question. <laughs> I think it should be. <laughs> My goodness. And how long have you been involved in this whole idea? Well, gosh, I um, I founded Love Animals, so um, since it was just, me at my laptop writing the business plan for Love Animals. Um, but obviously the, the team has really grown since then, and now we're a, a team of 10 people working hard to increase giving to the whole animal sector using crowdfunding. So tell me about Ellen DeGeneres and her natural pet food company, Halo, and, and how that's all involved in all of this. Absolutely. Well, um, we had a very exciting development in 2014 in that we got a um, Halo, a very large company who is now our founding corporate sponsor. So they um, they saw that the direction Love, An- Love Animals was heading in was to, to really be the largest global crowdfunding platform out there, and, and they wanted to be a part of it. So uh, they, they came on as our founding corporate sponsor, and, and Halo... Uh, a natural pet food company, and they're part owned by Ellen DeGeneres. So, of course, we want to get Ellen involved as quickly as we possibly can. <laughs> She's a very big animal lover. <laughs> she is. She really is. And and we feel like one tweet from her, and every every animal lover in America will will know that we exist and know that they can give a couple of bucks to to 
to change the face of animal welfare. That's pretty cool. And ABC uh, and other national media, they're helping too somehow? They are, yes. Because we're, we're a very unique platform, we don't take a percentage of what the nonprofits raise and we don't charge a fee to use our platform. So we get great media coverage because they, they really see that we're existing just to help animal groups be successful with crowdfunding technology. And so we've been featured by ABC and uh, the Chronicle of Philanthropy as recognizing the pioneering work we're doing to help increase giving to the animal sector. So that was exciting, in fact. That we got so much traffic, it, it, it crashed the website for a few <laughs> minutes. So we feel like we're, we're part of a special oh, club no. now. <laughs> what do you do when your website crashes? Oh, you well, run around panic? I had a heart attack, yes. <laughs> um, a few seconds of utter panic, and then the developers are all um, working furiously to get it up and running, and they did a great job, and it was back up and running in a few minutes. But it, it was exciting to get so much traffic that the site crashed. That was pretty cool hey. after the fact. I have also heard that Jane Goodall and Goodall and Simone Reyes and Allison Eastwood, they're all really excited about loveanimals.org and have helped you raise money for the retired lab chimps. They have. They all uh, got involved. Allison uh, was the, the kind of spearhead of the campaign, and um, we were able to get other public figures like Jane Goodall and Simone Reyes to, to support Allison's efforts. We're, we're, we're an uncontroversial non-profit because we are really just there to help groups be successful with technology and crowdfunding. And so I think they were all really excited to help out because it's something different and new. And um, that was really exciting and, and, and another great development for Avangus, particularly given that we're so new on the scene. So so we'll be working hard in 2015 to, to continue to grow those relationships. That's really exciting. And I know that you're working on something called friend raising, and that allows members of the public to run their own crowdfunding campaign to raise money for their favorite animal nonprofit. And it's entirely free to use. If someone has a birthday or is doing a 5K run, they could collect donations from friends and family right there on your platform. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Well, we decide, we we would hear from donors, and they would say, "What else can I do to help my nonprofit?" And so we we rolled out this feature in response to that because you know so many people want their friends and family to become involved in animal welfare and, and conservation and, and join the movement. And you know, if you've got a birthday coming up and you don't need any more socks or sweaters, <laughs> instead it's very easy. You can collect. $20 here, $10 there from your friends and family, and mm-hmm. before you know it, we've had one person raise $10,000 on the platform for their oh. 65th birthday, and uh-huh. um, that was $10,000 that was delivered by us to the to the charity, and the charity didn't have to do anything to get it, so they were happy, and it's just a great way to get your friends and family involved in something that you're passionate about. Wow. Sarah, I love that loveanimals.org is such a grassroots program and that everyone can help in small ways, big ways, and every way in between. And it's just phenomenal that you're doing so many things. And I just want to thank thank you you for reminding the listeners about your very worthwhile project and good luck in 2015. Thank you, Marie. I really appreciate the support. 
We need to take a very quick break now, but when we come back, our Pet Place book reviewer, Marianne Dell, has a new batch of pet-related books that you're going to love hearing about. All this and more are coming right up, so stay tuned to KJAZZ 88.1 FM, and we'll get started after a quick message from the station. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and with me now is our world-famous Pet Place book reviewer, Marianne Dell. Good morning, Marianne. Hi, Marie. You got that right. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, and I'm so glad to be doing our first batch of books for 2015 with you, and I bet you've picked out some beautiful stories for us. I do. I have some really good ones. These are all about individual dogs and the understanding they've brought to the human-dog relationship and just some, I think, some really, really good stuff. I don't know which one to start with first. Well, you pick. All right. We're going to start with Chaser, Unlocking the Genius of the Dog Who Knows a Thousand Words. Oh, wow. Chaser is a border collie, not Mm -hmm. surprising when you hear the thousand words. Mm -hmm. And, excuse me, her owner, John W. Pilly, lives in South Carolina with his wife, and they have two daughters, and they have always been dog families. And they got Chaser after they lost their former border collie. Mm -hmm. Really liked the breed, really liked its intelligence, liked the way that the dog obviously thought for himself and figured things out. Mm Mm-hmm. Not that other dogs hadn't, but they were particularly impressed with this dog. And Pilly, who is a psychiatrist, um, is professor of psychology at a school called Walford College in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And he had used the dog in some of his studies. And when he got Chaser, he decided he really wanted to delve into what makes dogs think, and more importantly, how they think and what they're capable of thinking. Wow, fascinating. And what he did with Chaser is what I think is the future of the human-canine bond Mm -hmm. and interacting with and bringing out the best in our dogs, and that is he based all his training on play. Oh, fun. (laughs) Chaser loved to play. She was a border collie, so she loved Mm -hmm. to herd. So he taught her the names of different toys. Okay. He got many, many individual toys. He wrote the names on them because unlike his dog, he couldn't always remember what they were called. (laughs) Oh, that's great. He taught her not only to recognize the different toys, Uh but to find them when he was out of sight. He wanted to eliminate the possibility of what we call the clever Hans effect, which is where someone asking an animal to do something, Clever Hans was a horse whose owner honestly thought he had taught him to count. Uh-huh. And what was discovered was that the owner and the people who the owner got to demonstrate the horse's abilities were actually very subtly cueing the horse with body language. Oh, okay. So Pilly wanted to remove this mm-hmm. from his training. And so he would, ha- he would put the toys in another room and send the dog to go and get a specific toy. She could differentiate among her toys. She can. She can. And he took her learning to a level that had clearly some cognition about it because she learned how to pick up the duck 
and take it over to the horse. Wow. And pick up the horse and take it to the duck. Okay, the horse toy. Yes, yes, not the real horse. We're not herding real animals here. These were stuffies. But he had his students uh, work with him, um, and what prompted him was there were some stories, um, gosh, several years ago now, about a dog named Rico, who was also a Border Collie, who had learned the names of more than 200 objects. Mm Mm-hmm. And he didn't necessarily, I, I think he did have in mind a thousand, Tilly, that he wanted to, I, I read the book a little while ago, so details are, at my age, <clears throat> a little fuzzy on occasion. But I believe he wanted to teach her a thousand, and she actually ended up learning, um, gosh, what was it? It was over a thousand, I think a thousand twenty-two Wow. that she learned the names of. There's a great picture in a book that a photographer for Paris Match shot when he came to interview Pilly, uh, when he came to photograph Pilly and the dog when a writer from the magazine came to talk to him. And it's in the backyard of Pilly's house, and there's snow on the ground, and there's this gigantic pile of toys on the lawn, and Chaser's sitting in front of them. <laughs> and it's it's very cute. Wow. So, um, so you could say get the Mickey Mouse toy or get the, the green tennis ball. And I'm wondering, did did the researcher include action words in part of that vocabulary? So if you say take the duck to the horse, I mean, that, that contains several action words there. Is that yes. part of the vocabulary? Yes, it was, although what he found in training this was that she – tended to remember the last thing she heard first. So he wound up actually training her usually using the construction two horse take duck. Oh and she would pick up the duck and take it to the horse. Okay. But yes, she did understand that ability. Um she also learned to paw, grab and drop. Okay. With individual toys, so he could say, "Paw the ball, okay. paw blue ball, pick up red ball," and she would do the different behaviors with the different objects. So she had a comprehension level that maybe rivaled a, a toddler. Yes, wow. yes, about a two-year-old. Which, that is very cool. You know, has has been said back when he came out with his work. Stanley Karen said the same thing that mm-hmm. dogs actually have the cognitive abilities of toddlers. Wow. And so you have to be careful what you say in front of your dogs, just like in front of your kids. And <laughs> Well, it's why they learned that W-A-L-K means walk. Yeah. Because to them, it's not spelling. It's just a sound that they hear out of your mouth right before you go and get the leash. Right, right. And my dogs actually know what W-A-L-K means now, mm-hmm. too. So we, we have come up with all kinds of creative ways of, of saying it or, you know, if we're trying to decide if we want to do that or not, we have mm-hmm. rather than just say it because if we don't do it, then they'll be really disappointed. Yes. <laughs> and it's why if you feed your dog at 4 o'clock every day, don't expect to not ever feed him at 4 o'clock every day because he will let you know. Yep. <laughs> I feel sorry for the people who during the week get up at 5 o'clock and feed their dogs right away mm-hmm. and can't sleep in on the weekends. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> See, I learned long ago, I don't feed my dogs at the same time every day. Oh, <laughs> they get tricky. fed at various times. That way, they don't know it's coming until the bowls come out. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good advice. 
Okay, I know we only have a, a little bit of time okay. to go over uh, three different titles. So let's just remind everybody what that title was and where they could get it and move on to your next book. Okay, and again, all of these books, of course, you can find online at Amazon, and I'm sure this one, this is actually the second edition. There's a first edition that's hardcover. This is a trade paperback. Okay. It's called Chaser, Unlocking the Genius of the Dog Who Knows a Thousand Words mm-hmm. by John W. Pilly. Okay. And it's fourteen ninety five. Published by Mariner Books. Okay. And now let's go on to your next title. Okay. The next one is about our old friend Rin Tin Tin. Ah, awesome. This is not a new book. I bought it when it first came out, and I finally read it a couple months ago. Okay. It's by Susan Orlean, who is well known to many people for writing The Orchid Thief. And this is, of course, about the famous TV and movie star, Dog. Uh, who was quite a legend, not only in his time, but in his owner's mind to some extent. <laughs> his owner really, now his owner worked very hard with Rin Tin Tin. He found him in France during World War II. Okay. Found a puppy in a burned out building, kept the dog, managed to get him home to the U.S., uh, was kind of a recluse. His owner was not really much of an outgoing person. And so he really bonded with his dog. Um, His name was Lee Duncan. Mm -hmm. And one of his famous sayings was, there will always be a Rin Tin Tin. And, of course, there were several generations of them. But none lived up to the popularity and the abilities of the first one. Um, This dog truly was amazing in how much he bonded with Duncan and how much Duncan taught him. And Duncan taught him not by using coercion or aversion, which for the 1950s was rather unusual. Yes. He used their bond to get the dog to do things. Um, Taught him a lot of stuff that was, you know, well used in the movies, like jumping over tall objects and climbing walls Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. And But it's kind of a sad story because... Uh He always wanted to become, he always wanted Rin Tin Tin to be this amazing thing. And for a while he was. Mm -hmm. But then after a while, you know, the movies changed and people started using, not CG, we hadn't gotten to that point yet, but they would get five dogs to use for one movie because they couldn't get one dog to do it all. And Mm -hmm. of course, Rin Tin Tin, like all of us, aged and had to retire. And Duncan bred him and had subsequent generations, but none of them could do what the original could do. Wow. So his idea of a legacy never really occurred. Although I think everybody knows who Rin Tin Tin is. So, oh, ab- absolutely. So in a way, you know, he did get his dream. And, and one of the things I find most fascinating is he is apparently buried in a pretty well-known dog cemetery in Paris. Paris, France? Yes. Oh, so he went back. Yes, and and nobody knows why. Nobody knows why Duncan went back there with him or why he was buried there, but you can actually go to the cemetery and get a map that will show you Rin Tin Tin's grave, and it's a very nondescript, um, not a huge, you know, no big deal, no great big... There's not a big fancy. statue there no, or anything like no, that. No, wow, no. interesting. Yeah, and and the other part that was really interesting about this book was how much Susan Orlean, the writer, got into it and really wanted to tell this story and learn about the story. Wow. Um, 
and she talks in the beginning about a statue of Rin Tin Tin that her grandfather had and how he would never let her or her siblings touch it because it was so precious to him. And that's kind of what got her from a very early age onto the Rin Tin Tin story. Oh, that's really interesting. So yeah. let's remind everybody what the title of the book is and also how much it costs. Okay. Rin Tin Tin, The Life and Legend by Susan Orlean. Okay. It is twenty six ninety nine. Excellent. Sounds like a great story. And we only have about a minute left, but let's try and get in your last book really fast. Okay, this is a good one. Top Dog, The Story of Marine Hero Luca by Maria Goodavage. And it is the story of one of the military working dogs, uh, a shepherd named Luca, and her handler, her two handlers, because she had two. And the jobs she did, sniffing out weaponry and IEDs, and helping save many, 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 many lives during her service. Wow. And it's a happy story because Luca ends up living with her first handler, and she lives with him and his family now. Oh, that is very cool. So, again, the title is? Top Dog, the story of marine hero Luca. And it sells for? And it sells for twenty six ninety five. Outstanding. Marianne, thank you so much for picking out some great stories for us. Of course. And we have to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place news and events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Does your house cat have what it takes to compete in a beauty pageant? Or is she able to accomplish great feats and agility? Then you might want to consider entering her in the 23rd Annual Food and Water Bowl to be held at the Del Mar Fairgrounds today and tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or you can just head on over and watch cat agility courses and learn about our feline friends. Cat experts will reveal grooming tips for show cats and household pets. Joan Miller, CFA All Breed Judge, will explore the basic characteristics of all cats, breed history, and personality traits. Visitors can enjoy informal chatting with exhibitors and close-up viewing of unique examples of popular breeds. Get a $2 off discount at www.sandiegocat.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. You can also like us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash petplaceradio. Well, that's all for me today. Remember... Pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.